the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is 1440 KYCR Golden Valley, your exclusive Twin Cities home for the Ramsey Show. Live weekday afternoons from 1 to 4. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. President Biden last night applauded the release of some of the hostages being held by Hamas. It's only a start, but so far it's gone well. Early this morning, 13 Israeli hostages were released, including an elderly woman, a grandmother, and mothers with their young children, some under the age of six years old. Separately, several Thai nationals and Filipino nationals were also kidnapped by Hamas on the 7th. They were released as well. The head of an Israeli Children's Hospital Department for Returned Child Hostages, Dr. Gilad Libni, says a reunion of those hostages was an emotional one. Yesterday evening, um, four boys and girls, uh, three mothers and one grandmother, uh, arrived to Schneider Children's Medical Center. Uh, we were very exciting from the first moment. And this is SRN News. All of us love sports, but not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. Minnesota High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. What is your healing power? Maybe your healing power is helping veterans with PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, depression, anxiety, or loneliness. Is your healing power a simple heartfelt letter or being a volunteer? It is estimated that over a half a million current warfighters will return from service diagnosed with PTSD, and 22 veterans will commit suicide every day. Our veterans have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country. At HealVets.org, you can find out more about the healing power of pen pals, volunteers, therapy kits, and more. Discover your healing power at HealVets.org. Help Heal Veterans, together with you, has been helping one recovering veteran at a time. We are helping veterans heal together. What is your healing power? To find out about your power, visit HealVets.org. This PSA is sponsored by Help Heal Veterans. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Come on, rise and shine. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's going to be a great year. 
Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Is it safe? It's the King Banyan Show. This is a man. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. The mind is a globe whirling transient nodes of thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. I'm just looking at this very interesting graph. The Yemeni Rial, exchange rate versus the dollar. All of the notes of the Yemeni Rial were printed by t- on or before 2016. There's been no issue since then. So what do you think has happened to its value versus the U.S. dollar? correct it's appreciated so now um, you can now see that uh, the real trades the the real now has um, uh, um, much more value it's you can actually I'm just looking at the at, at the price here let me look let me open up this graph a little bit more that's just I just gotta look at this graph a little what's he trying to say okay so um, yeah, the real value has gone from 749, yeah, 749 real to the dollar down to 526 real to the dollar. Um, and gosh, that's that's quite a bit. Um, that's that's super interesting. Anyway, I, I'm thinking about that because we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about what we heard in terms of um, of how we're setting uh, policy. In this world where we, we, we're saying the economy's slowing down, it looks like we're coming to what I'll call a growth recession. But I will note, I posted it uh, using the hashtag uh, pound KBRS. I posted a, uh, I posted it on Twitter, or X, formerly known as Twitter. I guess I have to call it that now. That recessions usually follow excitements about soft landings. Uh, a nice piece written by... Um, Written by Tyler Cow, excuse me, by John Authors um, uh, this week, uh, where he takes all of the data, right? So first of all, he looks. If you look at a Bloomberg terminal uh, earlier this week, on Wednesday, uh, and you typed in soft land, the word soft landing, you could get twenty. You could get uh, tw- what looks like twenty-one hits of stories. Uh, that included the word soft landing from the Wall Street Journal, from uh, Bloomberg, uh, from uh, Down Jones Services, uh, Bazinga, Ajans France Press, um, etc. Everywhere. There are stories about soft landings. And if you look at news trends, um, news trends, the soft landing scenario had peaked around the early part of September and had been in decline over the last few months as people started to realize, yeah, maybe we're not going to have a soft landing. But this week was the the week of soft landing. The was absolutely the week of the, the week in which we believe soft landings uh, begin. And what uh, authors showed in his article is this this pretty cool graph drawn by Jeff Schultz at Clearbridge Capital and what the graph 
what the graph shows is that prior to the recessions in 2001 and the great financial crisis in 2007, the number of hits on Google for terms soft landing spiked. And so the purpose of this hour is to t- think about why does that happen? Is this simply uh, part of the part of the uh, stages of grieving um, where we're going to bar- we're bargaining for? OK, we can have a recession, but it has to be a soft one. We can't have a hard one, you know, because that would really hurt. Hard landings hurt. So give us a soft one. We know you got to do this. It's yeah, OK, but just don't make it hurt too much. Is that really all this is? Or um, or is there something else going on? Um, like wanting to keep the money flowing and to continue to support bad investments. I actually wanted to talk a little bit about that too because there was this very interesting article written by, by um, an economist uh, at a site that I, I love called Economist Writing Every Day. If you've never seen Economist Writing Every Day, you should you should add it to your collection of blogs. It's 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 superb. Um, but I wanted to, to to talk through that um, for a few reasons, a few reasons. So let me give you first of all, uh, I wanted to play again this idea and why I think this is why wh- where I think this is coming from which is the please don't take the punch bowl away idea. Do what you can to make this as soft as possible. So this is is why I'm using the the reference to the stages of grief, and this is the bargaining process. Listen again. This was Jeremy Siegel on CNBC on Wednesday, I believe. Um, Cut number five. What I would say is that the, you know, Jay Powell has to be on the lookout. We are slowing. I'm not saying we're going into recession at all, but he has to be as sensitive to the real data going down, uh, you know, as he claims he's so hypersensitive to that inflation data. So that's bargaining along with still a little bit of anger, right? Denial, anger, grief, acceptance, uh, denial, anger, bargaining, acceptance, right? Four stages. I, you know, he, the, he still got a little bit of a, there's still a little bit of the, of, of the, hey, Jay Powell, you've been pretty mean to us. And I wonder if, if that, that in fact is, uh, that in fact is what's happening. So I wanted to play a couple cuts from uh, some of the, from, uh, first of all, from uh, one of the presidents who she's relatively new in this job, Susan Collins. She's the president of the Federal Reserve Bank in Boston. Um, and she gave a she gave a speech in Boston uh, on yesterday, on Friday, and was observing about inflation and had this to say. This is cut number four. Part of the move towards a better balance has come through an increase in labor supply. The labor force participation rate for prime age workers is higher today than it was just before the pandemic, a development that few expected even a year ago. And some of the larger gains in participation have occurred among women and minority groups. A better understanding of the behavior of labor force participation is important if the Fed is to meet both its full employment and its price stability goals. 
that should be music to Professor Siegel's ears. She she's saying, look, we're achieve. We think we off landing, and we think we know even why because it could be because we're getting more labor force participation, and even goes one step further, say we're getting labor force participation from the people we want to participate in the labor market. Okay, women, minorities, those are the folks that we want to, you know, we want those folks to be participating more in the marketplace. And so it was very interesting to hear to hear uh, 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 President Collins um, trying to basically say, I we think we're hitting this soft landing. And and I, I could have I could have picked out anybody else that's out there who has been making these types of calls to do that. And we're seeing labor force participation go up and everything's going to be fine. But this is the cut, and, I, and I'm going to play it more than once because Spencer and I both were like, oh, my gosh, that was really good. Okay. So yesterday on, on uh, Bloomberg's morning TV show, Mohamed El Arian, um, who used to be also at PIMCO a long time ago, so I've got two PIMCO people, McCulley and, 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 and El Arian, uh, but who's now the president of, uh, Queens, of Queens College or now King's College, excuse me, uh, in London and um, is still an advisor to Allianz Capital and um, very highly respected economist, was they had him on as like a guest co-host on Bloomberg yesterday. I actually started to watch the entire two hours because it's like, okay, if you if you know anything about me, I I. If I did not, if I was retired, my mornings would probably be down in the basement watching two hours of Tom Keen. I love him. <laughs> the guy with the bow tie on Bloomberg in the morning, love him. I, I, I could just listen to him all day. He's hilarious uh, in, in how he asks questions and, and, and does. And then, but he had Jonathan Farrow on, who I have, I don't have the same love for him I have for Tom Keene, but that would be that's a hard thing to match. But then they had El Arian on, so two of my three favorite people to listen to on the financial news networks are on the same for two hours at the same time. I'm digging out those two hours tonight. I'm watching them. Um, I, I I will have I will have a blast um, uh, doing that. But because I didn't have time for it last night, I was at a concert. Uh, but um, anyway. Well, Arian was asked a number of things, and there are like all kinds of clips of him. But this 30 seconds was like both Spencer and I thought, this is really remarkable. Let's play this cut number three. The reason why they missed the inflation call and got stuck on this notion that it would go away very quickly is because they weren't listening to company after company saying that the costs are going up and they believe they can pass it on because demand is strong. Today, most companies are telling you demand is softening really quickly. We've heard this both at the high end and at the low end, which is really unusual. So you've got to go be more look forward-looking and stop relying on dated numbers. This excessive data dependency is going to get us into another problem. I want to take some time in the next segment to explain in detail why that is such an amazing point to make. 
and how I think, depending on, depending on, or let me put it this way, the way I distinguish great policymakers from not great policymakers is in no small part their willingness to come out and listen and consider the opinions of people who are actually have skin in the game, the people who, who are investing, the, the business owners, the business leaders that are out there, spending time listening to an earnings call um, or, or just having coffee with a business owner and saying, what's going on in your, your business? And actively listening, asking questions. It's what we do here and what we've done here for years with our quarterly business report. Um, and I want to spend some time talking with you about that. Let's take a break here. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. The Ramsey Show. You're not going to like my answer, Carol. Oh, boy. Either your house sells or you cut bait. I never tell people to own two houses at once. One foot on the boat, one on the dock, the dock's leaving. Your butt's going to get wet. The Ramsey Show, live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. Are you kidding me? Gas prices are up again? Somebody has to do something. Well, someone did. That's why I use Upside. Upside? What's that? It's a free app that pays you back real money for every gallon of gas or diesel you buy. I just earned 25 cents back on every gallon of this tank. Hold on. So the Upside app is free and you actually get cash back every time you use it? No strings attached? Yep, it's awesome. Check it out. It only takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Instead of just watching your dollars go into your tank, start putting money back into your wallet with the free app from Upside upside with the price of gas today it's big news and big money to cash out of your upside cash just transfer it to your bank account paypal or a gift card upside users have already earned over 200 million dollars now it's your turn download the free upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas use promo code salem for an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up that's code s-a-l-e-m use code salem for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill up cash back not available in gas in new jersey and wisconsin Decisions, decisions, decisions. Retirement is full of them. Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Alan Mike. The guys will be talking about some of the decisions that retirees make that they come to regret later. Whether financial, non-financial, or lifestyle decisions, make them wisely because the stakes are high. Alan Mike have solutions and strategies for you. Make sure you listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, 2 p.m. Sunday on the Biz 1440, or call them now at 855-231-6010. Are you tired of going online every day and getting news meant to make you afraid and anxious? And all that meaningless celebrity gossip fighting for your attention? Want something different? Something positive? Make your homepage Christianity.com. Replace the bad news and fake news with the good news. The life-changing gospel truth meant to encourage your daily walk with Christ. With daily devotionals, answers to life's tough questions, and meaningful Bible study from your favorite pastors and authors on today's current events and issues, you now have a homepage that reflects your life and your faith. Don't settle for the negativity and superficiality that the rest of the Internet offers. Instead, choose a homepage that will uplift you and strengthen your faith. Join the thousands of others who have made the switch to Christianity.com and experience the difference that good news can make in your life. Don't wait any longer to make a change. Choose Christianity.com as your homepage today and embrace the positivity and inspiration that comes with the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Advantage Autoglass is your local autoglass specialist for over 20 years. Expect a lifetime warranty and no insurance hassle. Visit ReplaceMyWindshield.com. ReplaceMyWindshield.com. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz fourteen forty. So, there, there's a risk of being too data dependent, right? Everyone takes a piece of data and picks it apart. I didn't spend much time in the last hour talking about the industrial production data because they and they were very negative. But one of the reasons I didn't pay attention to it was, well, we know that the strike, the particularly the UAW strike cause reduction in the amount of cars produced and indeed the auto production numbers the auto production numbers were down 10% in the month of October well guess what it's going to happen in November it's going to come right back everyone's back to work i don't think you should pay a lot of attention to that those to that particular piece of data but there is a tendency to really be caught up in data and this is a piece of advice i give people based on and, and my students, who particularly those who take forecasting from me, based on experience I had in working overseas. So I think somewhere in the in one of the earlier intros to the to to this the King Banyan show, they used to mention that that I was an advisor. Right, I worked in uh, five different countries as a as a an advisor or or consultant. Um, in places around the world, the, my, the most time I've ever spent in any country was actually in Ukraine back in the 90s, where I worked inside the National Bank as, as a resident advisor. Um, I'll give you a little bit of insight into that, which is what were they interested in? How would you get the – so you work in – and so what I would do usually is I would do two things for an economics department that was inside – either a central bank or a ministry of finance. Those are the only two groups I've ever worked with. There are economics departments and other government agencies too, but those are the two that I'm familiar with. Um, you would go in and you tr- look, do two things. One, evaluate the quality of the data that they were providing their policymakers. All right, I'll set that aside. I spend a lot of time on that. We've talked about that here in the past. So when, when people tell me, you know, well, what's going on inside the data, I actually try to talk to people who create the data to say, how did you measure that? Tell me what the process was. Okay, I'm, su- I'm curious about that. Okay, put that aside. The other part which was important is how do I communicate this information in a way that my, my boss, the decision maker, I'm sending a report up to the governors, to the chair, to the to the board of trustees or something like that how do i provide them with information that is that is understandable and and allows them to take action so we would we would we were and again we're doing this in the 90s with far fewer tools for communication than we have today it was all paper-based um the last place i did this kind of work for was in 2003 really didn't change that much um, and so we would give them 
So we would say we're going to limit it to one page. We're going to have a set of data at the top, and we're going to have a, like a paragraph and promise no more than two paragraphs of analysis at the bottom. Eventually, later on, I got to the point where it was like, ah, uh, they don't—they're not reading the paragraph. Let me try bullet points. I can sometimes get them to actually make a bullet point snap for them. Policymakers, particularly the ones that are inexperienced, um, who don't have their own PO point of view. Uh, don't have a theory of how an economy works, will glom on to data. And they'll memorize data points. As, and and, and I, I, I say this respectfully, uh, but sometimes you want to demonstrate your understanding of the, of the information out there, and so you will memorize a number. I'm not going to name names, but I will tell you for... I'll tell you for certain there are some people who are in policy making positions who I know got a got a one page or a two page report. I'm gonna bet a one page, circled a number on it, memorized that number, then used it on used it when they spoke to a reporter or when they went into a meeting. And that happens, I'm just saying, that's my observation. That happens a lot. Can I prove it to you? No. How, would, how could I prove that to you? I'm just telling you that's what I've seen. And, and, and I've been in a room where I've seen, seen some of those like, ah, I know where you got that number from because my people wrote that report. I think this is what Muhammad Alarian was saying yesterday on Bloomberg when he says this. Play again. Cut number three. The reason why they missed the inflation call and got stuck on this notion that it would go away very quickly is because they weren't listening to company after company saying that the costs are going up and they believe they can pass it on because demand is strong. Today, most companies are telling you demand is softening really quickly. We've heard this both at the high end and at the low end, which is really unusual. So you've got to go be more look forward-looking and stop relying on dated numbers. Right. This excessive data dependency is going to get us into another problem. When I ran for the legislature, which is also, I think, mentioned in the, in the intro to this piece, I ran, I ran for the state house twice, uh, batted 500, um, you can guess the order. The the um, one of the first things we did was done. I talked to a, a few people, my friends, and frankly, when you're starting a political campaign, the first thing you do is you go to your friends and say, "Hey, I'm starting a political campaign. You're one of my friends. Would you give me fifty bucks? Would you give me a hundred bucks? Would you give me five hundred dollars to run this campaign, to, to support my campaign? Get me help. Get me off the ground." My my network included a few business people, some of whom I'd met through our survey. And through the survey work that we had done in the quarterly business report that we do here at St. Cloud State, I had learned the value of having that input of business owners into what we're into how we were trying to forecast the local economy. So 
what these guys did is well, they took it to a second level. They would bring these two these two gentlemen, one of them's passed away, the other one still lives here in the community, would bring together about 15 to 20 business owners. We'd buy them coffee and we'd, we'd, we'd have 7 a.m. meetings. And one thing you should know about me, I hate 7 a.m. meetings. I hate them. But I showed up. Why? Because this is this is the time you could get an executive to show up because they pl- they want to be in their office by eight. It's seven o'clock. They're usually working. They're showing up because they want to hear what everyone else is saying. They sat down and spent an hour telling me, "Here's what's going on in my business. Here are the issues I'm having. If you were in the legislature, here are the things that would help us." Right. That was pro- and we did. I want to say over the course of two years, we probably did a dozen of those. Yeah, I want to say about every two months we probably did we we probably did those on average every two months. And I can't think of a better twelve hours I spent learning what it's like to actually run a business. Because frankly, I've never run a business. I'm an academic economist. I've never run a business. Most of the people you're listening to on this, you know, when we when we play these guys, they've never run a business. I respect the fact that El Arian actually is trying to run a university. Running universities is pretty dang hard, uh, unless you're Harvard and you've got a you got a hundred billion dollars endowment. Like, yeah, you kind of do what you want because there's always a backstop. But same true for government. But you know, I I think there is value in getting that kind of information, and that's not there. And so when I listen to the Susan Collins clip, I'm like, yeah, she's data dependent. I'm not saying she doesn't know what she's doing. Uh, I'm not saying, but the data can sometimes substitute for having a real idea of how an economy works and understanding how to interpret when someone's in a conversation with you telling you, here's what's happening in my business. I think that's the difference. And I have, I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you, uh, as someone that's worked in, with a number of government officials, and in, 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 uh, I'll name off the countries, Ukraine, Armenia, Macedonia, Egypt, Indonesia, um, uh, really didn't do that kind of work in Mongolia. Uh, but the, those five countries, I've seen officials who didn't have a model for how the, the economy worked, but they didn't want to look dumb in a meeting, and so they would come in with a number or two or three cited frequently out of context or used in a way that maybe didn't connect the various pieces of the numbers they had in place. And the more, and so the more I hear folks cite data as if it tells them something valuable, I think the less we know. And why in this next clip, we need to talk about the speech given yesterday at the European Central Bank in uh, Frankfurt uh, by San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly. It was remarkable, a remarkable speech. And we're going to play a few clips from that coming up right after these messages here on the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Wally Langfellow and Eric Nelson from Minnesota Score Radio's 10,000 Takes, talking about Minnesota's 10,000 losing teams. Wild Wolves, Gophers, Twins, Vikings, you name it, we'll cover it. Will any team step up? 
and give Minnesota's long-suffering fans something to cheer about? If they do, we'll tell you about it on 10,000 Takes. 10,000 Takes, weeknights at 5, here on the Fizz 1440, Twin Cities Business Radio. Have you ever met a single person in your life that enjoys paying taxes? No, no one does. If you can't sleep at night because you have a huge problem with the IRS, I've got some free advice for you. This service is strictly limited to individuals that owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes. And if you qualify, we can guarantee that you won't be writing a big fat check to the IRS or our services cost you nothing. The first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you. We promise. Call the tax doctor right now. I mean right now to learn more. 800-240-4587. That's 800-240-4587. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boots. Arby's Computer Service. Overcoming debt can be daunting. Whether your debt is manageable or has six zeros behind it, there's hope. Tune in to The Ramsey Show for a common-sense approach to breaking free from debt, building wealth, and enhancing your life. For decades, Dave has been helping people take control of their financial lives, one baby step at a time. So listen to The Ramsey Show. You may just hear a caller story similar to your own. Weekdays from 1 p.m. to 4 on The Biz 1440. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. Uh, so, in uh, 651-289-4477, number to call with questions and comments. 651-289-4477. Okay? And I, I, so I'm asking you really to engage this, this particular idea. When you see people use data, right, um, frequently it's used as a crutch rather than as a tool or as, as, as a piece of evidence. I mean, you see it in many cases. You see it in many places. And I, again, and I'm going to play it one more time, Spencer, because it's just so valuable. Muhammad Al-Aryan, yesterday, during he was an invited guest onto uh, the Bloomberg Morning uh, TV program, uh, and uh, and this was 30 seconds of, of what I think was really 
a brilliant observation. Cut three. The reason why they missed the inflation call and got stuck on this notion that it would go away very quickly is because they weren't listening to company after company saying that the costs are going up and they believe they can pass it on because demand is strong. Today, most companies are telling you demand is softening really quickly. We've heard this both at the high end and at the low end, which is really unusual. So you've got to go be more look forward-looking and stop relying on dated numbers. Right. This excessive data dependency is going to get us into another problem. Excessive data dependency is was the rocket fuel for Team Transitory back in 2021. And now his his point is his point is it could be the rocket fuel for keeping rates too high for too long, which might be true. Almost on the same day, in fact, I'm going to say probably within a couple hours of, of El Arian saying this on Bloomberg, President Mary Daly of the San Francisco Federal Reserve appears on a stage to give a ta- some introductory remarks and then did a Q&A, which is now apparently mandatory for any any time you have a Fed official – They'll get up and talk for 15 minutes, and they'll answer questions for 45. That's, that's, that's just how they roll. And frequently, the 15 minutes isn't enough time for you to unpack anything really major. You go through and read some data that you got from, from, one, of your, from one of your research folks or maybe from the system office, from the, the board office's uh, uh, staff economists and so forth. Daly really did none of that in this speech. I thought it was really remarkable. But she spent some time reflecting on on uh, some some of the uh, past policy decisions made and dates back dates back to Ben Bernanke, dates back to Paul Volcker and so forth and talks about talks about, you know, central banks acted boldly when the moment demanded it. Um judging that the risks from aggressive measures were smaller than from the cost of any potential policy errors. But she said, back then, we had really good data. And she says, right now, we don't have this. Let's, let's start with these. We got, we got a few of these that, that sort of build in a crescendo to, a, to a, what I think is a really important conclusion. Let's start here. Cut seven. When uncertainty is high and the risks to our objectives are more balanced... We need to practice gradualism, to resist the desire to be certain when we don't know, to react to not knowing with curiosity, and to adhere to the idea that patience, measured adjustments, and continual reassessment make for better outcomes. Gradualism has had really sort of a bad reputation in economics uh, because it's believed it's what gets you into these sort of you know, you're behind the curve or stop-go policies and so forth. But I think it takes some courage to be able to tell people you're uncertain about what things are happening um, and, and, and to, to react with caution. Let me con- let's continue with this. Cut number eight. Practicing gradualism means having the confidence, the wherewithal, to say that we don't yet know. 
and keeping an open mind about what the world is bringing. There are many times when gradualism is the best strategy, and there are countless examples of central banks using this more cautious approach. And, and I, I happen to have the uh, full, the full uh, 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 speech in front of me, and it's heavily footnoted, I will tell you. And so she cites uh, example after example after example of where uh, folks had uh, where folks had uh, uh, cited this uncertainty, going all the way back to the Federal Reserve's notes on the Federal Reserve back in the 1960s. Um, let me let's continue. Cut number nine. We are not certain about whether inflation is on track to return to two percent. We are unsure about the length of lags and whether they are behind us are still to be fully realized. And we are uncertain about whether the dynamics we observe today are cyclical remnants of the post-pandemic recovery or indicators of structural shifts and a new normal for the national and global economy. It's sort of cliche to say the to say that some of the most powerful words you can say as a well, I, I, I put in my own world a, a professor in front of a classroom to use the words, I don't know. But it's an invitation to inquiry. It's an invitation to students, hey, let's, let's figure this out together. Many years ago, as, as a fairly young professor, um, I had, another, I had an, an older professor tell me one time, I happened to see him coming back from his class early, and he's, and and he was kind of frowning, and I said I said to him, "So, you let class out early, huh?" Says he said, "Yeah," which was kind of sassy of me to point out to a senior faculty member that he might have ditched work twenty minutes early. Um, yeah, I said, "What happened?" He said, he, he, "Yeah," and he says, "I said, okay." He said, "Yeah, someone asked me a question, and I didn't know the answer." So I stopped the class. I want to come find the answer. I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back uh, next class and give them the answer. That struck me as profound. Professors, the, the, the classroom format where a professor stands in front of a classroom and provides a lecture is sometimes referred to as the stitch on the stage approach. And the fact of the matter is we're not sages. We don't know everything. And so I have had time and again I, opportunity to take advantage of the lesson that professor taught me that day. It wasn't much longer. I, I don't think it was the same semester, but somewhere in the, somewhere a semester or two later where someone asked what I thought was a really good question, and I'm like, I really don't know the answer to that. And I said, do we, and then I asked the class, do we need to know the answer to that before we can continue this lecture? Well, guess what the class is going to say, right? In every class, every, okay, every classroom you've ever been in, right, the student, the students are like, yeah, you let us out early, man, that'd be great. I'd like to, I'd like to get it. I'd like to get out of here early. And so they found a way to convince me that, yeah, we, we'd stop. So I left, I came back and answered that question and then we continued on it was a good experience and i've done it ever since 
If you can stump, and I tell the classes at the beginning of the semester, if there's a question you have that's relevant to the lecture that I can't answer, the class will end. We're going to go together and figure out the answer, and that's where the next class will start. And it's an important, it's an important part of learning because you're engaging them in that process. Now, if go back to Mary Daly, right? She says, hey, we are not certain whether inflation is on track to return to 2%. We are unsure about the length of policy lags and whether they are behind us or still be fully realized. And we are uncertain about whether the dynamics we observe today are cyclical remnants and da-da-da-da, right? We don't know. And none of them have before. And she says, we don't know. And she's trying to make a case for why Waiting for more information is important, and she that so she sticks the landing in my mind, at least with this last cut number ten, please. And the perils of deciding too quickly, racing to know, we are when we are not sure, are real. Declaring certainty without knowing is not just a missed forecast; it's a policy mistake. That, that's. That's a very, very important piece. Now, I, I happen to believe that at some point you have to make a decision. You will not have 100% information. That's why I like prediction markets, because prediction markets re- end up getting people to bet real money, real profit and loss on whether or not a certain policy is right or wrong. I like those. I, I believe in using... Uh, uh, prediction markets in lots of different places, in, even including in a university. I've thought about I've thought about how do I create a prediction market where we could predict enrollment. Um, I, I thought I think that'd be a that'd be a fun activity. Um, I've talked about that a little bit, and I get I mostly get eye rolls. I will tell you, most of my most of my colleagues are not interested in that. I still think I'm right, uh, but I, I think I think this is a very bold statement to say. We have had no experience with the kinds of policies that have happened in the last three years, and there is uncertainty. Did the Fed make a mistake in 21? Yes. And even the Fed itself will say so. Jay Powell, who made the mistake, admits to it. Not, not mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, but, but he says as much that, yeah, we, we, we probably didn't have to do everything we did back in 2020. And we probably we probably started we were probably behind the curve in twenty one. That's not a reason to start cutting rates sooner just because you were late last time, okay? Because you can make a mistake in the other direction. And I kind of buy that. I buy that quite a bit. But in this last segment coming up, I actually want to give you one piece of uh, of analysis that I read this week that actually would lead you to believe that the Fed's behavior in being late at first and then raising rates rapidly might have a silver lining to it. We'll do that right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. The 
the government is spying on you. No surprise, I know. But did you know the banks are helping them? And did you know that withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Let Swiss America educate you about this. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government, and they report any behavior they think is suspicious. You'll be shocked when you read The Secret War on Cash from Swiss America. This new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. You must read The Secret War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling or texting 800-266-6082. That's 800-266-6082. This war on cash is growing daily, and it also includes all forms of digital money. So please, get and read The Secret War on Cash free by calling or texting right now at 800-266-6082. That's 800-266-6082. Message and data rates may apply. This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you and without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment, and every guest over the last 10 years and it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same email from Alan Estrin that I receive every night about the most important issues to read about. Pragertopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager store. Thousands of hours. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free Pragertopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager. Pragertopia Unlimited. Go to Pragertopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. It's getting harder and harder to make sense out of today's head. Lines. To stay on top of breaking world and national news with a Christian worldview and a faith-based perspective on what it means, turn to ChristianHeadlines.com. Log on to ChristianHeadlines.com for the very latest news and then sign up for our free daily newsletter to stay one step ahead of what's happening. Get out of the mainstream media rut with top news and positive headlines every day with ChristianHeadlines.com. The Ramsey Show. My husband got involved in day trading and has lost about $150,000. Whoa. Um, $4,800 a month in minimum payments. Direct, honest, The Ramsey Show. Weekdays 1 to 4. Hi, everyone. This is Mary Carey from America's number one travel radio show, inviting you to join Robert and me and Rudy each Sunday as we cover the ever-evolving world of travel and explore the world together on RM World Travel. Tune in this Sunday evening at 7. Welcome back. King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Thank you very much for listening today. Uh, 651-289-4477 with any last-minute questions. 651-289-4477. What have we learned so far, right? First of all, first of all, oftentimes people will pick up data, memorize it, and use it as a crutch to make an argument that to support something without having a fuller understanding of, of that data. They, they don't have a theory that holds that together. There was the course I teach in forecasting was originally titled when I moved here back in the 80s. 
business cycles and forecasting. And the business cycles part meant that we tied theory about how fluctuations happen in an economy to the to the I would argue art. It's not just a science. It's it's as much art as it is science of forecasting. It's why I, when I see people say we're practicing data science, I'm like, you're a little too confident there, buddy. Need to back off. And and what we heard in in the most recent part was was well. When you don't know about the data that you're receiving, President Daly says, you have tools to make changes if you need to. But you could make a mistake acting before you have enough information. And I'm emphasizing enough rather than all, because you will never have all. Okay, at what point are you willing to bet your, your, bet your reputation or, or, or your actual money on something like that? But let me give you one more piece, which I <clears throat> tweeted using the hashtag pound KBRS on X, formerly known as Twitter, which is how it will be known forevermore, X, formerly known as Twitter. Okay? It's sort of like, it's sort of like what happened with Prince. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I wonder if, uh, if Musk intended it that way. And that was, um, that was uh, from a piece written by, by an economist named uh, Zachary Barch. Uh, and um, he writes at a blog called Economist Writing Every Day, uh, and uh, it's a group of seven, seven, acad- they're all academic economists, um, and each takes a day, gets a day, and they and they write about something in economics. I think this piece is really interesting, which is, which which leads me to think maybe there's one thing that will happen from this particular experience that will turn out to be a good will turn out to be a good thing the whole process of of investment um is that um it, it, the whole process of investment is that includes a lot of investment in the wrong stuff or you'll hear the term particularly among people who subscribe to the austrian uh business cycle theory They'll use the term malinvestment. I use that term from time to time too, to get at the get at this particular point. Although I don't consider myself Austrian, uh, an Austrian economist, I use that term malinvestment to sort of realize that during a boom, during a time when you have low interest rates, there will be investments in lots of stuff that might end up not paying off. The process of the process of economic growth means we have to have people taking chances on investing in different ideas, some which will be good, some which won't be good. Put another way, if you've never failed, you haven't tried enough. Right? I'll say that again. If you never fail, then either you're omniscient and omnipotent and I'm going to bet you're not, or you are, you, or you simply aren't trying anything until you're really, really sure. You're, you're too timid, and you will never get very far by being too afraid to ever make a mistake. But that means that there are times where, where, where we'll see investments into things that turn out to be terrible ideas. 
and they almost always happen at times of very low interest rates. The rapid increase in interest rates in the last year and a half will have the effect, Barch says, Professor Barch says, that it will move a lot of bad investment ideas out of, move a lot of capital out of old investment ideas into new investment ideas, as long as we don't get bad government policy getting in the way. Okay? So there can be things that get in the way, like we probably have seen too much investment in in renewable energy because of low interest rates. And a lot of that's going to be protected by government policy. That's 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 the bad part of this. That combination is bad, but interest high a rapid increase in interest rates in and of itself should move a lot of capital out of places where it turns out to be a bad idea to places where it's a good idea. And that to have that happen without seeing a massive increase in unemployment, without seeing negative GDP, would be really remarkable. But the fact of the matter is we don't know and we won't know. That is a little too hard to predict. But that's the economy that we're experiencing right now. A massive amount of, of, of investment caused by low interest rates that now has to figure out which ones of these will survive in a world of high interest rates and which one of these are going to get pushed to the side. Um, that's the uncertainty and wor- the uncertain world into which many folks like President Daly are pushed. We'll be back to talk with you in a week or two. Uh, back, uh, thank you, Spencer, for your work here. See you here on the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. China is attacking the U.S. patent system, stealing American innovations, and we are helping them do it. The Chinese Communist Party intends to surpass us and to be the world leader in innovative technology. Innovation Race, the shocking new movie from the Tea Party Patriots, exposes the truth. China will use our own technology to threaten our economic and military security. Dominating technology means you dominate the world itself. This is a race that we cannot afford to lose because we're not going to have a country. If China gains control over 5G technology with a flip of a switch, they could remotely turn off our phones, our cars, even our power grid. We've lost sight of what it is to protect this nation. We need to up our game. In today's high-tech world, there's no prize for second place. Watch Innovation Race. Available now on demand or DVD at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There are no words to describe it. The isolation. The boredom. The loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult. But school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. 
This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much from the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special and boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.